hello, and welcome to the Learning to See podcast. I'm Jen Allward, your host, and today we get to hear part two of Sparrow's journey. In part one, she shared about her time to weep, a 15-year period of her life that caused her to feel a deep sadness. Divorce, domestic violence, human trafficking, drugs and alcohol were all part of that story. But it ends with a new season beginning. I share her story because it has been renewed and the answers, healing, and hope she has found can be yours as well. In today's show notes, you'll find more ways to connect with Sparrow, but to get the bonus content, glimpses of her art, and our full discussion, jump on over to Patreon and join our Learning to See Studio membership. Make sure to join at the Digging Deeper Together level to get the full write-ups from conversations with artists, art therapists, and art ministers like Sparrow. Well, without further ado, I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started and learn to see together. Well, hello and welcome, Sparrow. Hi, Jen. So that was my time to weep from the time my parents got a divorce until I was 30. In 30, I had an experience that I had a foreboding. I know now it was God. At the time, I didn't know who God was or what he was about or if he even knew me. But I was going to go out drinking again. And he showed me that I needed to make a change or else. I ended up having this little argument in my head, almost like two little gremlins on a shoulder, like this one saying, go to a 12-step meeting. I don't want to go by myself. You're going to the bar by yourself. And there was like this little argument. And I yes. listened to the other voice and went to a 12-step meeting. That was the beginning, the beginning of who I am today. <laughs> wow. So during that time, I hear about a God of your understanding, and I grew up with the Catholic God, so he was scary to me, like my dad. You know, yeah, he loves me, but boy, am I going to get it, you know? I didn't really know what to think or what to do, and so I just did the 12 steps and the 12 steps, and you don't change your behaviors and attitudes overnight, and I had not really dealt with all the pain and all the trauma of those events. I'm sure it would be considered PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder at this point. So I got clean and sober in 1986, and I'm going to say it was like about three years later, I'm li- I had moved to Minnesota where I was connecting with my Native American roots and getting a lot of spiritual feeding that way and that, that kind of healing, but still I didn't know who God was. So yeah. I was seeking and about three years into sobriety, I got completely and severely depressed and I didn't know why. I didn't get it. I had a good job. My son was doing great in high school and I had a nice little place that I had bought for us to live and life was going good by all the outside appearances. Like, why was I so depressed? I couldn't stop crying. Mm -hmm. I took myself to get evaluated and right away they wanted to put me on some drugs. Now that might work for some people, but I'm like, no. He's like, why not? I said, because the reason I'm like this is I self-medicated my entire life. I need to know what's going on. What's causing me to feel this way today? I have a good life. Why am I feeling this way? So he let me go home without the drugs and he didn't put me on hold or anything like that. I didn't have any conscious thought of wanting to hurt myself. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be a weekend. So he goes, okay, you got to promise me if you feel worse and you think you might do something that you'll put yourself in the hospital. Well, it was a Saturday and I'm calling this older lady. Oh, I own. What am I going to do? Oh, go shopping. That makes me feel better. I'm like, no, I'll feel worse because then I won't have money that I need, you know? Right. (laughs) So that wasn't going to work. So I thought about putting myself in the hospital and I go, nope, because if I walk in there like this, they're going to shoot me up with drugs. I didn't want anything to do with that. 
So I called my friend. Her name is Colleen, but in the Lakota language, Kola means friend. So I called her and she's like a person like you that works with broken families and broken people. And, and she worked in the homes and helping the entire family deal with special needs kids or whatever mm-hmm. it was. But anyway, she came over and at the time I had a collection of rag dolls and she took the one that looked most like me and we sat down and pretended that was me. And I was then talking to her as what was I feeling at the time? What in my mind stayed with me was that one, I was to blame. Two, nobody cared what happened to me. That's how I believed. Okay. So because of that, through my adult life, earlier in life, I put up with abusive men because, oh, I shouldn't have said this. Oh, I shouldn't have drank. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And even the police, you know, victim blame and stuff like that. So once we were pinpointing what I was feeling, I was feeling like I didn't matter. And there was really nothing in my life happening But for whatever reason, God said, hey, you need to deal with this now. You know, I'd been clean and sober for three years. So I went to a 12-step meeting, and this is where the answer comes in. I go to the 12-step meeting, and here's my time to seek. I'm seeking healing. Can you see that well enough? Yeah, and I'm just going to describe it for those who might just be listening. This one has lots of, like, reds, yellows. It's very colorful, like peachy bright, like a sunrise kind of looking. It's got a picture of, it looks like the Bible, maybe in a, a gal praying. She's got a sparkly necklace. I'm assuming, is that a drawing of you? No, actually that is a cutout that I then painted from a coloring page. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it was a, a Christian, like you can buy, I buy a lot of digitals from Etsy and use those as references. This was before I could draw. I can draw a lot better now. So I just cut it out and I painted her in. The colors, I'm glad you recognize that because to me, I used kind of like autumn colors because autumn to me uh, represents a time of changing, a time of like, yeah, we're letting go of some things, but newer things are coming. And that's, that's what this represents. So I'm seeking God at the time. Who is God? Does he love me? What does all that mean? Hmm. Right? So yeah. that's what this one is. So I'm seeking God. After Cola left my house, I went to the 12-step meeting. And this is how a time for every season comes in because it was just time for this particular thing to happen. Yeah. I would have been open to it before. I walk into the building of the 12-step meeting and there's a big poster that you can't ignore right there in the front. And it said, one day spiritual retreat for women who have been physically, mentally, or sexually abused. That's no coincidence. No, it's no coincidence. And it was being put on by the women's group in the AA and by a local church. I'm like, okay, I'm going, you know. I'm uh... So I'm not a timid person, but I went there and I was like scared to go in, but I walked in like slowly. I see this picture of me just walking in slowly, like I have to do this, I have to do this, right? So I go in and I couldn't tell you what they said. I couldn't tell you any of the scriptures they read, any of the stories they heard. The only thing I heard was that I wasn't to blame, that God did love us, that we could heal from this. And and they had it set up so, so nicely, Jen. They would do a little bit of stuff in the chapel, some readings and some storytelling. And, and then they had a room set up with really nice, beautiful, gentle music and journaling. And, and so you had time to process everything you just heard and all this. And now this is the only time I cry because it's such a joyful moment. I was in the journaling room and first I'll back up a little when somebody rapes you it's different than when somebody hits you it's like they ripped my spirit right out of me that's why I like to show the sad eyes yeah. there was nobody home in there the spirit didn't live in me anymore 
my joyful, useful, happy person wasn't there. The drugs made it look like I was, you know. I think that's important for people to recognize is you can feel so empty and broken, but not look it. Yeah. And that was me. I was the, that's that mask thing that I submitted to you before for a workshop. That's where that comes in. Yes. I'm sitting there and I just had this spiritual experience. It's like I was walking around empty all those years and I visually saw my spirit dancing up there. I even wrote a poem, which I don't know where it is right now, called Dancing in the Spirit. And uh-huh. I knew we were reconnecting. So that led me to going to therapy for a year and a half. First year was one-on-one. Then the next six months were group therapy. And throughout that time, that year and a half, I was working at a church, still seeking God. It took a long time for me to get where I'm at with God right now to, to really think that he loved me and stuff. Um, when I show you the videos later, you'll see a true story about early in my sobriety where I turned to God, even though I didn't know who he was. That was the beginning of that. And so when I tell my story now, because the way you see me now is how I am and how I feel like 99.999% of the time. I wake up happy. I go to bed happy. I count my blessings all the time. I've been through some hard things, you know, during that time with lost loved ones and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I just continued to grow and grow and grow closer to God and closer to other women and people and trusting. And, and I just love, I'm a servant at heart. I, I learned that through my family and then through the 12-step program. If you mm-hmm. get out of yourself and help others, you can't help but be good, you know, if you, with yourself. So you get to the part of a time to dance. So dancing is in the blood of my family. I mean, I'm Latina, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Plus I'm a powwow dancer too, a Native American powwow dancer. Uh-huh. There was a time when during that depressing times, I uh, would go to powwows and just dance all day long and you just dance your blues away, right? And uh, I've always loved dancing anyway. My best friend and I, we'd always be the first ones on the dance floor and all that kind of stuff. So when I say it's my time to dance, that's where I'm at in my life now. I dance like all day long in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit. And if I hear music in the grocery store, I'll dance there too, you know, physically dance. So I'm just yeah. like, I'm always like, woohoo, here I come, you know, that's how I see life now. And so again, I don't really draw. This is from a coloring book page and you'll know why she looks like this and why the colors are involved in here too. Cause that's how I feel now. Oh, Awesome. Yes. So now we get to see the full face and the outfits. Very active in the middle of dancing. You've got the blue backgrounds and red dress. And what dance would you say she's dancing? She's like dancing the Spanish flamenco dance. The flamenco dance? Yeah. yeah. With the rose in her hair. and Uh-huh. Yeah. You just want to smile when you see this one. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it means one thing to dance physically and another to just be dancing in your heart and soul, you know? Sure does. My license plate frame has child of God on the top and Philippians 413, because that's my thing. I can do all things through Christ because mm-hmm. he can get you through anything. You know, right now I'm walking a very blessed life, but something could change any second, overnight, whatever, you know, and just knowing that I have to lean on God and my people that I know, some people call it my tribe or whatever, you know, your fellowships to keep holding you up when you can't hold yourself up. Yeah. So so community is important. Yeah. Community is extremely important. You don't want to tell everybody your deep, dark secrets to the detail, you know, some of the things, choices you made and stuff, but it's important to have somebody you can share and vent with and just tell your story without being ashamed about it, you know? Yeah. Like 
some things I made choices not knowing what I was doing and other people made choices for me. I think that's important. I do an exercise with people of, I do the circle of trust and I do it like a bullseye, yeah. like a target. And that I say, you need people in all the levels, yeah. and, but they don't all get the same information. So those ones really close to that bullseye, they're the ones you can trust with every detail, dark, right. happy, everything. They've always right. got your back, no matter what. Yeah. And then as you progressively go out, you go all the way out towards like enemies and strangers, but the boundaries in between are so important. And to recognize you need that community, but not everybody in the community gets Correct. the same amount of information. No, because some of them are just going to use it and judge you, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't have done that. You know what? You don't know until you're there. You don't know. I became a big advocate for battered women. I worked at the shelter and I was a legal advocate in the court system for them. Yeah. And I also became a court appointed special advocate for kids in foster care. And, you know, the younger you are when these things happen, the harder it is to get unstuck. Like there's a young woman, I started being her um, advocate when she was 11 or 12, and she's still stuck because she started getting abused by her mom's boyfriend when she was about five. So she hasn't grown. She hasn't been able to let go. And she's a really good mom. She's got beautiful little girls and all that. But she just, she hasn't gotten that healing, that full healing. Yeah. Inside, she's still a hurt little five-year-old. Yeah. Because she hasn't, yeah. like you mentioned, there there is a difference between verbal abuse, physical abuse, um, emotional and sexual abuse. And that sexual, yeah. it does, I mean, it's, it just rips something different out of it's kids. Completely different. I mean, of every age, but it's a different process to get that back. And I love that it visual is. that you had of it coming back. Yeah, you can get back. You can get back. Useful spirit that, back. I'm going to be 68 in April, but I'm only physically 68. <laughs> I feel like Woo, forget your October. I'm not getting old till I'm 90. <laughs> oh, that's interesting because one of the questions I wanted to ask you and you brought up the time to dance image was if you created an image for when you were a kid, uh -huh. like before a time to weep, what do you think that might be? Oh, gosh. You know what? Um, I picture just playing all the time, whether it be swings or swimming. I mean, it, you know, we lived in California where it's sunny all the time. So as soon as my feet hit the floor, if I wasn't at school, I was outside. We used to ride our bikes for miles and miles and miles. And you don't think of it as exercise. You're just going to get your friends from their house and keep riding all day. So just something playful and fun. Playful you know? and sounds like sunny and free. Yeah, energy. running through the sprinklers, whatever. My family was crazy. We, we laughed so hard at ourselves, the things that we did. <laughs> like we lived in a two-story house. And we decided to hang my sister out the window, see if she could reach the flower bed from the from the bedroom window. <laughs> I mean, we did crazy stuff. I think about how protective, oh, you got to wear a helmet for bike riding. We did so much stuff. God was watching out for us. <laughs> and you've all survived. <laughs> yeah, we all survived with our scraped up knees and stuff. Yeah. And my sister, Pat, is three years older than me. And she was always a jealous person. She still kind of is, but you know, we get along. But when we were younger, we used to get in fist fights. We were rowdier than the boys with each other. We were just wild and crazy, but innocent at the same time. Yeah. So when, when you're all that innocence gets shattered in whatever way, like I said, the first one was my parents' divorce and all that I saw there. And then the, you know, the kidnapping and all that. 
And so you just kind of moved through the motions, but thankfully God had his hand on me and took me a long time to finally turn around and say yes to him. And the whole time he was still working on getting me to where I'm at. He was there the whole time. He was there the whole time or I would have been dead or I would have had a pregnancy or I would have, you know, I would have, could have, should have, would have, and all those drugs, you know, as tiny as I was and the amount of drinking and stuff I did, I could have been dead. You hear about it all the time, alcohol poisoning or drug overdose. Yeah. He, he kept me alive, you know, he let me suffer some consequences for my behavior, but he didn't let me die that way. You know, you know that's, that's a big conversation topic. If God's with you, why didn't he stop the bad? That's what kept me away from him for a long time. Because mm-hmm. why does he allow these things to happen? But we know who else reigns here on this earth. If you're walking the same walk that I am, we don't know why. And even when my mother was dying, I, I didn't question why she was dying. But I was questioning why it was taking so long. She was more than ready to go. And I got angry with God. And um, the verse came to me, lean not on your own understanding. Just even as children, you don't always understand a lot of things. You just trust your parents. So you just kind of have to trust God. And I know something horrible could happen. But I also know that he'll be with me to try and get me through it too. Yeah. And it's hard when you're going through those dark times, those times of weeping and mourning to remember that. But as you look back, Can you see it differently? Can you see his hand or his presence with you differently when you look back on those times? Oh yeah, I definitely can. I'll give you an example. As wild and crazy as I was, every once in a while, he just put me a stop. Like a bunch of the kids were going to San Francisco for a free Rolling Stones concert. And for whatever reason, I said, I hope my mom says no. I hope my mom says no. And not that I always listened to her, but that time I did. And there was a bunch of trouble at that concert. You know, some of them went to jail and things like that. And definitely when I think about the frame of mind and intoxication, I was at going to the beach and swimming around out in the ocean. I mean, come on. He had to have been saving me. So I mean, many times where it shouldn't have turned out with you surviving. Yeah, a lot of things. And, and yeah, that horrible thing happened to me when I was kidnapped. But you know what? I didn't get killed. I didn't get pregnant. And it was those however many days they had me. But there's people that have been living with that kind of stuff in their life all their lives or the women and children and men that at least you see it all over the news, coaches that abuse their football players and basketball players, gymnasts, all those doctors, people you're supposed to trust. At least these were not people that I was supposed to trust. I mean, the friends, yeah, you're supposed to be able to trust your friends, but they weren't family members. They weren't a doctor, a coach or a preacher or anything like that, you know, so it could have been worse. It could be where I wouldn't have any faith or trust in anybody. You've lived through the story and you've worked with people in the midst of it at different stages of it. Mm -hmm. What words would you have for people who are watching, people who are listening, who are maybe in the dark times? And then also, what would you like to share with people who might be interacting with them or helping them? First, I'll talk to the helpers. We don't always see the fruit of our workshops, the fruit of our endeavors. There's many people that helped me along the way that if I could go back and find them and say, look how I'm doing now, I would love to be able to do that. We don't always see that. So don't judge whether or not the person took it in or heard you or got anything out of your workshop. It's not for us to know the outcome unless God allows us to see the outcome of some of those people. So that's number one. We don't know. Uh, Three people could go through the same experience and have a whole different way of it affecting them. I think that had I not been passed out during most of it, I'd be a lot worse off. My Mm -hmm. mind wouldn't be able to get the nightmares out of my head. As a person that living in the darkness right now, just 
keep finding what brings light, even if it's a moment by moment, mm. something to make you feel happy for that moment. You know, somebody that I'm going to give you a real simple story in a minute, but just every person that comes along and shows you love, that doesn't judge you, that doesn't ask for details of your life, if they just recognize your brokenness and love you for the moment, bring you some comfort, be happy with that and just keep seeking your healing the way God's leading you to be healed through your therapist, through your art therapy, through your church, whatever it is that you're working with to get there because you can get there. I could be a total basket case. I could and, I, and I'm not. It took a long time for me not to be an angry person. And it took a long time for me to believe that God loved me or that anybody could look past the choices I made. And sometimes they weren't my conscious choices. They're unconscious choices made because of the circumstances of my life. Sure. Once that was taken from me, the first time I said yes to a man, it wasn't because I couldn't resist. You know what my head said? Well, I'm ruined anyway, so who cares? Then I ran home and felt like a big slut and didn't come out the house. <laughs> So yeah, I think that's good for some people who haven't experienced it and they see that stuff happening, that that's that inner mindset. It's not everyone's inner mindset, but that, that is an inner mindset of people who have been abused that, well, what does it matter now? I may as well get drunk. I may as well go sleep around. I may as well get high. Like, yeah. Why not? Yeah. That's that's how I was. For someone to come in and alongside someone with that kind of a mindset and see that there's value. Yeah. That's what it is. You got to look past. This is what I tell when I work with the women at a transitional living house right now, and I do creative workshops with them. I always go on a journey with them of having them see themselves as who they were created to be, even if they're not there yet, because we are not, I am not that kidnapping. I am not that little girl that got divorced. Those were chapters in my story. Those were chapters in my story. That's not who God created me to be. The person I became is not who God created me to be, but he let me go so far. And then he finally said, no, I'm going to stop you right here. You're going to a 12 step meeting and we're going to start you on the path that I want you on. Now I've let you go long enough, little girl that doesn't obey. (laughs) I'm going to make it so obvious that I don't think you're going to say no. (laughs) I couldn't deny it. I still didn't know who he was or what. I really want you to see that video because it's called, I called, he answered. I did that one recently based on a couple of weeks into sobriety. So when I started the journey onto the 12 steps, I knew I had to, but then there's an incident where I realized I really wanted that more than anything. So that's what that video is about. And, oh, and in I there, will link I still, that in the, in the write-up. Yeah. I will definitely link yeah. people to that. And in there, I still didn't know who God was or even if he cared about me, but I was willing to surrender to him anyway. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. It's powerful. I was just talking with someone earlier about post-traumatic growth, and this is a good example of that. Yeah, it is. It is. You went through something horrendous, and you suffered for a long time. And I love that your theme is a season. There's time yeah. for every season. It That's was a right. season was of a season. suffering and darkness, but you didn't stay there. And now you're out dancing. <laughs> I know. I stayed there a long time, but now you can't stop me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the freedom's back and, and yeah. you're dancing and you're, you're living out of the true identity and you didn't yeah. let some really dark, heavy chapters end it for you. I could have, but God Easy. said, no, yeah. you know, I probably could have and would have. If I had not heeded his calling that day to go to that first 12 step meeting, I probably would have died a long time ago just by the sheer mass of my lifestyle. Yeah. Even though I was working and getting promotions and all that kind of stuff, 
my son has forgiven me. He was about 10 or 11 when I oh. first started that journey. And he says, mom, at least you've changed. And yeah. he treats me with such love and such respect. And that wouldn't happen if I hadn't listened to God that yeah. night. That's good. And then just a quick question. How do you feel like art has played a role in your healing or in your life or in the healing of others? How can you connect that oh. for people? Well, it started off with while I was going through my parents' divorce, I started writing poetry. Mm. And the first poem I wrote was about tears. That just came. It's not like I heard anybody or anybody told me to do it. English was my favorite subject in school anyway. And I just started writing and journaling a lot. And then as you go through the 12 step, you do a lot of journaling. So all that is healing because you just pour it all out on the pages. And now when I do write, I was kind of stunted for a while because God gave me the gift of being able to just flow and write. But I worked in the legal field for so long that my writing started to sound too legalistic when I was trying to tell my stories. Yeah. So that's why I like doing the stories the way I am right now, because you're hearing it right from me. And so I'm not telling you, oh, once upon a time, this happened and that happened. You know, you can feel the emotions, you can see it and all that. And so he gave me that gift. So storytelling verbally. And then now I'm being able to put things pen and paper. I'm working on a piece right now about, you know, um, everybody looks at the world and all the chaos and all the craziness that's going on. So easy to get lost in that. And so I'm working on a, a mixed medium piece of hope showing the brokenness but showing god's angels surrounding you too oh so, wow so i guess my message for those walking through the darkness is don't give up hope keep going towards the light and don't let what other people say about your choices or whatever define you look at yourself through god's eyes when you look in the mirror ask them who god sees and if there's something you want to change about yourself and you're getting help with that through therapy or art or whatever it is great Work towards what, who you want to be, who you think God wants you to be, yeah. not what the world made you. Yeah, yeah. Because God that gave idea you a good spirit. My sister right. said when I was on drugs and all that, she goes, she was so heartbroken because that bright-eyed girl wasn't there anymore. I'm back. <laughs> you're back. And you're sprinkling light into lots of people's lives, whether you know it or not, right? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I hope that this will be an encouragement to both people in the dark places and people who are trying to help people in dark places that yeah, there's specks yeah. of light and we're not sure going where they come the from, but they're there. Yeah, go in there with the attitude of no expectations, just experience it as the teacher and as the student. Just experience it. Don't say, no, I'm not going to do it. Do the workshop. You don't know what you're going to get out of it. You know? Never know. Never <laughs> yep. know. It's another story that we just did with a women's transitional using dolls. It's great. I have three dolls representing the different phases of my life too. So, Oh, that's super cool. It's so fun because your story uses all the arts, writing, music, yes. visual. Yes. Yes. They're all here. Even a dance. Now and this dance. one, I, I can't share this publicly because the other dance person that dances with me doesn't like to be on public forums. Sure. But we did a dance to a song called We Dance Before You. And there's a, a Native American Christian group called Broken Walls. And I wore my jingle dress and she wore a different outfit. And we choreographed this whole dance to that song. And it was about finding light in the darkness. Awesome. Well, thanks well, so thank much. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. This was great. Yeah. Have a good day. Okay. Talk to you later. God bless. Bye-bye. God bless you too. Bye.